KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. Welcome, it's Friday, July 8th. Tragedy of Veterans Village, more on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. UC San Diego Health has opened a headache center in Sorrento Valley. It will provide specialized care for headache disorders, migraines, and long-term side effects of traumatic brain injuries. Patients will have access to both inpatient and outpatient treatments, including trigger point injections, Botox, acupuncture, and more. Each room has green lighting, which has shown to lessen symptoms of headaches, sensitivity to light, and anxiety. The Headache Center will also be used for research and education on headache disorders and traumatic brain injuries. The San Diego International Airport is getting a grant from a $1 billion national program that is funding 85 airports across the U.S. The funds are part of President Biden's bipartisan infrastructure law to improve terminals. The San Diego Airport will receive $24 million for their Terminal 1 project. It's scheduled to be completed at the end of 2028. Earlier this week, we told you about the beach cleanups the day after the 4th. And now the results are in. A total of 1,645 pounds of trash was picked up at seven popular beaches in the area. Volunteers said that the beach with the most trash collected was the OB Dog Beach. The organization that plans the cleanups, the Surfrider Foundation, said that the collected trash was mostly single-use plastics. Surfrider says it hopes its cleanups inspire San Diegans to decrease their use of single-use plastics and hold businesses and governments accountable for the plastic pollution. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. A 29-year-old Army veteran was allegedly killed by her neighbor last week at a property run by Veterans Village of San Diego, a nonprofit that helps veterans and their families. iNewsource investigative reporter Cody Dulaney has this story from someone who says she witnessed the killing. A warning, some details may be disturbing. Deborah Berg says it happened fast, maybe 30 seconds. She was sitting in her truck outside of an apartment complex in southeast San Diego, run by Veterans Village. She was there to see her friend, Army veteran Janelle Self. And then all of a sudden, I didn't really hear anything else, but I heard Janelle yell, Call 911! Call 911! San Diego police say it started as an argument between neighbors. It ended with a 44-year-old woman under arrest for the killing. Berg says she saw the entire thing. I couldn't believe it. It was just a plain and simple murder. It really was. The woman who died reached out to iNewsource last year to share her concerns about Veterans Village. At the time, the single mother said she and her toddler were living in a mold-infested apartment owned by the nonprofit. 
she had moved there to join a housing program which offers services like therapy and case management. But she worried about violent and aggressive neighbors. The vast majority of these residents have a significant history of trauma. Suzanne Haman is a former therapist with Veterans Village. She warned management about unstable, violent people at the apartment complex when she resigned last year. She says it was a disaster waiting to happen. I mean, you know, the, the biggest safety concern that I saw was just that there were all these volatile personalities. Last month, iNewsource published an investigation into Veterans Village that revealed widespread drug use, staff misconduct, and violence at its celebrated rehab center near Mission Hills. The complex where the killing occurred is in a different part of the city, but police activity has been on the rise there, too. Calls to San Diego police have more than doubled in the past four years. The killing happened last Monday afternoon. Police officials say it started with a dispute. Berg isn't sure exactly what happened. She only saw it spill out into the parking lot when her friends started yelling at her to call 911. I, I thought she was kidding. I, uh, really? I thought she was kidding. I was sending him. And then she comes walking out and the lady's right behind her. The woman accused of the crime, Samantha Munez, then climbed into a car and started the ignition. She you know, stood right in front of her car with her camera. She's like, going to take a picture. Munez started slowly inching forward, while Self stood in front, slowly backing away, keeping the camera pointed on the driver in front of her. And the lady's right here right now. And, and, and the lady yells, get out of the way. And Janelle's like, you're not going anywhere. Then she saw the driver accelerate and plow into Self. She didn't think it was real until Self flew through the air and landed on her back in the middle of the road. Berg says she gasped. She remembers the swing of her friend's hair. And I walked up. I mean, I'm dialing 911, and there's cars stopped on both sides. And I could see that she's breathing. Within minutes, she says police were on the scene, and a crowd started to gather further up the road, apparently where the driver had come to a stop. San Diego police later said the suspect stayed at the scene. All the while, the two-year-old son of the woman who died was in his car seat, waiting for her to return. She was later pronounced dead at the hospital. Her child is now with family out of state. Munoz was arrested for murder, but later charged with lesser offenses. Berg is still trying to cope with what she witnessed. Well, it kind of makes me really angry that it was senseless. And that is the end of a beautiful person's life. It really, really, really makes me angry. The death is the latest in a string of serious safety issues that have critics raising alarms about the nonprofit's operations. In a statement, Veterans Village CEO Akila Templeton said she was devastated to hear what happened. According to Templeton, the nonprofit has done everything it can to protect its tenants and is providing counseling. Security guards are now at the property. For KPBS, I'm iNewsource investigative reporter Cody Dulaney. This story is co-reported by Jill Castellano at iNewsource, an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. If you have plans to travel south of the border this weekend, you may want to listen up. The U.S. Embassy in Mexico issued a travel advisory for Tijuana and Rosarito. KPBS Porter reporter Gustavo Solis explains what the risk is and how travel groups are reacting to the news. There were 1,972 murders in Tijuana last year, 
and that violence continues. The problem has gotten so out of hand that the federal government deployed the Mexican military to Baja California. Army General Saul Luna says that rival cartels are behind the bloodshed. El cartel de Jalisco, el cartel de Sinaloa, la parte del de, cartel de los Arellanos, que entre los tres están peleando el vender la droga. He says three cartels, the Jalisco New Generation, the Sinaloa Cartel, and remnants of the Arellano Felix Cartel are all fighting for control of the drug trade. The travel advisory says Americans should reconsider going to Tijuana or Rosarito because of potential confrontations between these three cartels. Carol Kramer runs the Discover Baja Travel Club. She says violence is mostly limited to people connected to organized crime, not the tourists. Kramer says that violence in Baja is not as random as some places in the U.S. So unlike here in this country where you're afraid to go to a parade or even send your children to school because of mass shootings, that isn't happening in Baja. It's the cartels going after each other, and those are the deaths. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. San Diego's tourism engine started revving up in 2021, but local officials say the region is still sputtering because it has a pandemic hangover. For details, we go to KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson. The region's tourism economy bounced back last year, a year after the pandemic roiled the service sector in 2020. The San Diego Tourism Authority's Julie Coker says the region is doing better than other tourist destinations, both in California and the rest of the country. She credits San Diego's high vaccination rate as one reason visitors are returning. There were a total of close to 24 million visitors that came to San Diego. And we were very excited about that because it was 61% over 2020. However, it was still down 32% to 2019. Two signature events that attract crowds returned to San Diego this month. Both Comic-Con and Pride Week were canceled the last two years because of the pandemic. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. And with the return of those signature events, it brings up concerns over safety at large gatherings. KPBS reporter John Carroll has more on how San Diego police are preparing. The mass shooting at this week's 4th of July parade in Highland Park is just the latest reason to be concerned over attending big public events. On Thursday, San Diego police did their best to reassure people that they're ready to keep folks at Pride and Comic-Con safe. San Diego Police Lieutenant Jonathan Lowe talked to the media under the big pride flag in Hillcrest. We're going to have uh, uniformed officers and non-uniformed officers in the crowd always uh, watching over the parade route, the festival, and the associated parties around Hillcrest. Same goes for Comic-Con as well. Lowe's advice? Always be aware of your surroundings, and if you see something that doesn't look right, say something. John Carroll, KPBS News. And stick around for the latest on the local art scene. That's next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, 
presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Russian composer Tchaikovsky's iconic 1812 overture has been removed from an upcoming concert by the San Diego Symphony. The change was made in response to the ongoing war in Ukraine. The August 26th performance will still include other works by Tchaikovsky. San Diego Symphony CEO Martha Gilmer said that the 1812 overture was cut because it was written to celebrate Russian victory at war. When you understand that this was commissioned um, to really showcase Russian imperialism and aggression and that it is the canons of war, it feels to us highly inappropriate to perform it this year. In place of the 1812 Overture, the symphony will perform Tchaikovsky's The Tempest, which was inspired by Shakespeare's play and not often performed in San Diego. A renovation is happening at the New Village Arts Center in Carlsbad, and along with it comes a new name. To tell us all about it, here's KPBS North County reporter, Tanya Thorne. Sledgehammers broke into the walls of the New Village Arts Center in Carlsbad on Thursday. NBA held a groundbreaking event celebrating the renovation of the center. Christiane Kerner, the founder and executive artistic director for NBA, says the center will turn into a cultural gathering space for everyone in North County. And along with the renovation of the building comes a new name. When the Dia Hurston New Village Arts Center reopens in December of this year, this will be a place where all members of our community are welcome to experience that adventurous art. Dia Hurston has been a leader in the theater community and created opportunities for people of color. NBA says they will be the first art center in the country to be named after a black woman in the past 50 years. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. In 2018, Matt Rotman created a blog focused on the genre of films he loved. Now the San Diego-based author has a book inspired by the blog called Bonkers Ass Cinema, a guide to the wildest of horror and exploitation cinema. KPBS arts reporter Beth Hacomando speaks with the author. Filmmaker Doris Wishman made a career out of rebelling against censorship and American sexual repression. The endless excitement of a newfound paradise. She made what were known as nudie cuties in the 1960s when the Supreme Court ruled that films about nudist camps did not violate anti-nudity laws. See man's secret dreams come true in Nude on the Moon. The film is like a documentary showing all the shenanigans they're up to at the nudist colonies. And so she wanted to branch out of that. And so what did she do? Let's have a nudist colony on the moon. Matt Rotman adores Wishman and all she represents. She's one of the reasons he wrote the book Bonkers Ass Cinema, which is also the name of his blog devoted to the kind of genre films that most people label as bad. But that's a label Rotman challenges. Generation after generation of film critics that just beat these films into the ground, and that way films just disappear outright. And as long as they're not talked about, they're not watched, it's my goal to bring them into the mainstream a little bit. Films like Shriek of the Mutilated, Easter Bunny Kill Kill, and Plan 9 from Outer Space. They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. Zombies guided by a master plan 
for complete domination of the Earth. Plan 9 from outer space. These are the orphan children of cinema that Rotman embraces with the love, respect, and joyous celebration they deserve. I say there are two types of people and two types only. People who laugh at Plan 9 from outer space and the weird, crazed hermit uncles that genuinely love it. And my book is a manifesto for all those crazed hermit uncles. Too often, people come to these films from a perspective of condescension. Calling them guilty pleasures are so bad they're good. But viewing these films through an ironic lens is short-sighted. They may be a punchline to a lot of people, but they're heroes to me for the most part. And so they really just make me want to pick up a camera and and get out there because that's what they did. And that's where their appeal lies, in the passion of these filmmakers to make movies because they simply have to, and the ingenuity to make them against all odds. Every film in the book really pumps me up. It just juices me and wants me... I, I, it just makes the art of filmmaking itself seem more accessible, which it really is, especially in this day and age. Take the micro-budgeted 2021 film, Bigfoot's Bride. Lower budgets obviously look different than higher budget movies. I mean, it's just due to the technology and the talent you can get. But to me, I think like there's a certain aesthetic to this lower budget, I think, that draws a lot of people like me to it. It's not as polished. You can feel the work and you can feel the passion. Bigfoot's Bride is a great modern example of how you can use the tools of the digital age and make something on the cheap, and it's still, I think, weird and powerful and unique. Being unique is key. The book looks to a hundred films in nine genres, ranging from animals attack to sexploitation to slasher, and no two are alike. That's part of what defines being bonkers. It doesn't have to be crazy or wild or anything like that, but a certain quality that I haven't just seen before. And that's what I always look for. That's what's entertaining to me. Usually the films I pick are like singular visions of a filmmaker that only makes sense to the guy who made the film. Don Dohler's Night Beast epitomizes that. It typifies his style of wild, cheap, handmade sci-fi action films. See the movie that will change the face of modern science fiction cinema. Night Beast. Terror from beyond. It's very easy to watch Night Beast and make fun of it. But just to imagine it was made for like $30,000 of what they're able to get on screen. It's inspirational. Rotman hopes screening Night Beast this Saturday and spreading his bonkers-ass ethos will inspire people to seek out more of these films and realize that the only bad movies are the bland ones made without passion. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. Matt Rotman will be signing copies of his book and presenting the film Night Beast at Digital Gym Cinema tomorrow at 1 in the afternoon. He and Beth Accomando are volunteer programmers at Film Geeks SD, which is hosting the event. One last thing before we go. San Diego Opera is back on KPBS Radio. Isn't that great? And tomorrow at 8 at night, you can listen to the sounds of Romeo and Juliet. To listen to the opera adaptation of the Shakespeare play, tune in at kpbs.org or by turning your radio dial to 89.5 FM or 89.1 in La Jolla. That's it for the podcast today. This podcast is produced by KPBS senior radio producer Brooke Ruth and producer Emmalyn Mohebi. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening. Have an awesome weekend.